Welcome to Well Played, a podcast on all things playful and joyous. Here on Well Played, it is my goal to bring on passionate educators who are all about bringing joy to their lessons, learning, and life. Today with me, I have Andrew Easton. Uh, his Twitter handle is at EastonA1. And we're going to be chatting about the joy of creation. But before we get to that, love for Andrew to give his own introduction. Oh my gosh, I'm on the Well Played Podcast. <laughs> this is awesome. This is going to be so great. Um, hey, Michael, I'm, uh, yeah, and the audience. I'm Andrew Easton. Uh, I am a personalized learning collaborator, which is a, a mouthful and a really long title and something that is awkward to explain at dinner parties <laughs> with people who aren't <laughs> in education. It's even harder than people are, but uh, I spend uh, yeah my time getting a chance to work with uh, teachers uh, across our district, K-12, um, on personalized learning in the sense that um, teachers will kind of pick where they want to go next with their class. Uh, and so we'll meet before school, after school, during plan time, uh, and have an opportunity to kind of design where they want to go and sort of personalize it at the same time. So I uh, wear that hat, do podcasts and uh, vlogs and blogs and you are Future all training. over the place. This is a yeah. perfect topic to have Andrew Easton join us uh, on creation because the guy is creating all the time. And as part of your job, you are trying to sort of motivate and inspire a whole bunch of other teachers to also find that joy in creating and learning and growing. Yeah, I get some like secondhand like joy. Like, like I get a chance to talk with them about the thing that they're passionate about for their kids who they're passionate about. And so, yeah, there's just so much, uh, so many good vibes. Uh, I like, that. I like that you say it that way too. Cause I think sometimes there can be, uh, sometimes like we don't realize just the amount of joy that you can get from just being sort of next to that person that, that is experiencing that joy, that growth and, and just the, the sort of tertiary, like side benefit, the sunburn <laughs> we sort of get from yeah, their glow. Well, <laughs> it can be really yeah. awesome. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Yeah. So uh, here we are chatting about creation. Um, this is a topic I got to tell you is super near and dear to my heart, especially like in the last few years. Um, I've really, really just found cre this creation as like a sense of empowerment, like a sense of growth and learning, um, trying new things and uh, with each step that you try, you do like you get this sense of empowerment. Like I couldn't do this thing yesterday, <laughs> and I now can do it. And then you can either go in this process of refinement and like making that thing better, or you can kind of go like, "What else did I think I couldn't do?" Because apparently, I can do these things. <laughs> right, and that's the whole you know with personalized learning. I guess to kind of like cross this into our conversation as well. We talk about agent, student agency or learner agency, right? And that's the whole actually the whole point is to say, how do we start to develop learners who um, can be academically autonomous, um, but that agency piece really just being that you have the confidence that no matter what you try to take on, there's gonna be a way to get it done. Uh, and, and that you sort of have at least a framework within which you're going to go about that. You're gonna understand you're gonna have to fail forward at times. Uh, and so I think it um, certainly is near and dear to my heart because I love creating things. And, and like you said, with that whole process that, that you just kind of went through there, uh, that's something I would love to, to see be a part a richer part of the learning experience for students on the regular. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Creation's good. Puts you, puts you in a spot where you have to grow. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, at the risk of sounding super nerdy, but I, I host a thing on games, so I think I don't have to worry about sounding nerdy, <laughs> but, 
Um, I, this past probably year and a half, um, I just got in the habit of learning and creating. And for the first time in my life, truly in my free time, I can honestly say I, my default, my resting heart rate is creation, not consumption. So, um, I really don't watch much TV anymore. Um, when I do, it's, it's small, little bite-sized things, uh, because truly, like when I get home, I'm I, like, I want to learn. I want to like either yeah. learn something and then apply that learning. So whether it's it's doing a, a Carrie Bacham drawing challenge and like trying to do one of those or <laughs> or a five for five, like five for did. five, like that. We were, was I, was, awesome. I was definitely gonna bring that up. Like that's just been really fun for those of you that haven't checked it out. Andrew and I, as well as several other teachers this past time, did a five for five challenge, which is just that you try anything you want, like set some sort of goal and do it for five days in a row. And that, that level of intentionality, uh, is amazing what you can really accomplish. Um, so I've really enjoyed those, but I guess this, this, it's amazing when you click over from consumption to creation and like truly right now I'm, I like, like it's fun to create. It's fun. Uh, and I mean, I have a lot of things that I try to create from this podcast to the YouTube channel you know, to the Twitter chat. So like I, I have a lot that I have to create. So I get that maybe not everybody else has that same like need to create that stuff. But as my last five for five showed, like I just really love to cook too. And I just, that, that was my five for five <laughs> yeah. goal. It wasn't, didn't have to be like quote unquote educational, but I got that same level of empowerment when I tried a new recipe and it was amazing, you know, and it was like, what, what can I make tomorrow? Like why pull out that same, same old, same old when I, with a little intentionality can create something new. And I think if you take that cooking analogy, you know, that you just brought up there, your story and just apply it to the classroom, that's exactly like, why do the same old, same standard, what I've been doing whenever, you know, trying to, trying to spice it up, trying to have, you know, add a little to your recipe. Yeah. It's something that, uh, uh, certainly does bring about, um, a need for new skill sets, um, greater sensibility with taste. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and just, just things like that, I guess that, uh, you know, I kind of think back to whenever I started like going through personalizing, like for my own class, cause like nine years ago, I guess I would say it would be my first personalized learning unit. It ended up being uh, an entire quarter. I said ahead of time, cause I had seniors at the time, uh, in the spring semester and we were going through a novel that, uh, had been a snoozer for the first two years that I taught it. So, uh, year three in education, I was like, I want to get everything ready for them. The start of the quarter and they can go through it at their own pace. Uh, I'm going to differentiate across this a little bit as best I can. Um, and so I wonder what it's going to take to do that. Uh, and gosh, yeah, it just sort of like led to there just always being a need to create some new piece or new nuance sure. to that. Yeah. Probably very similar to games. Yep. Um, that So again, you don't, I guess, you don't necessarily have to be creating in a blog, blog, podcast to find creative opportunities uh, that you can seize on, on a regular basis as an educator. Well, I love, I mean, like your last point there, when you really talk about differentiation, um, you, that can put you in a constant cycle of creation. Uh, yeah. And if you just recognize that, like, don't get overwhelmed, like you, you can't do it all. So every step you take towards that, every bit of creation you make is more than was there before. So while you could sit there and get down on yourself that like, oh man, I should have done 50 more differentiated pieces. The, <laughs> yeah. The fact that you did, you know, two more, is still better than your class was, right? And it's yeah. still better for those students. 
And I also liked your other point too. In a gamified class, like there are the same message. Like there are constant things that you could be adding to your game. You could be tweaking. You could add more items. You could add a new mechanic. You could spice up that next lesson with a new new piece thrown in there. Um, but you you can't get done trodden. You just have to tell yourself like let's let's pick up this and try to do one more thing today or this week or this month, whatever. Um, and, and you'll, I swear, you'll start to build a muscle of creation, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and like, you're going to want to flex that muscle more and more often. And like, it's just, it becomes, like I said, really empowering. And I, I get mm -hmm. pretty jazzed up about it, pretty passionate about it. And I'm, I'm excited that we're sharing it with others because it, it really is, I don't know, like, I keep using that same word, but it is empowering. Yeah, and just lights a fire. I, uh, you know, think because I eventually got to a place where I turned that personalized structure into a game, um, kind of you know after several iterations and and just time, kind of like in the very process that you just talked about. Uh, and so it's been interesting for me a little bit to listen to the podcast and to talk to other educators that started really in gamification, and got to a place where they're now allowing students to control the pace of a particular part of their. Because you, you, I know you have part of your game. Um, that you talked about on a recent podcast, I'm trying to remember, uh, where the students did get the opportunity to really just kind of design the course once they got to a certain place. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, I have lots of little elements where the students either take over portions of the game, portions of the course. Um, and typically, I think when you disseminate that leadership out, they rise to that occasion. Um, because it's an that in and of itself is sort of a gift and an empowerment for them, and they just get super jazzed. Uh, and then, like we were saying at the start, that you get to be around these teachers that try these new things, and it sort of lights your own sort of light. Uh, I get really like overwhelmed when I see overwhelmed in a good sense, like emotionally overwhelmed when I see my students rise up and take that level of leadership and how serious they take it. But then mm -hmm. on the flip side, like, be ready for this. Like, when you do this, guys, when you create in your class and when you give space for students to create, it, I mean, they're going to, they're going to want more of that. They're going to demand yeah. that. So, like, you have to, you have to take risk, I guess. And I think as adults, we've, we've become so risk averse. Like, I think that's why we do the same old, same old. Because, like, we understand it. We're good. I've tweaked this. I've honed this. I'm successful at this. And what I love about creation is, is there's a risk. There is, if we're going to use my cooking analogy, there is that chance that like it doesn't turn out. So like, mm -hmm. but at the same time with that risk is what comes the great like feeling when you're successful. Like without the risk, I cannot feel the, the, the high of like, holy cow, I made this thing. And I like, it's so wonderful and people enjoyed it. Right. So yeah. I think maybe maybe the message I'd like to send all of you is take a risk. <laughs> That's funny because that was the topic of Matt Miller's keynote out at Q uh, was he was talking about that quite a bit. And that was interesting to hear him express that oftentimes educators, um, there is a, there's a security. This is his point, right? And I thought it was, had some validity to it that when you understand your content and you design an activity and there's one way to go about that, you can become a master of that <laughs> to a degree that um, you can control everything and, and be comfortable in it. Uh, but it does take, uh, yeah, turning some of that ownership over and being willing to, to risk vulnerability maybe is one of the risks that, that comes with 
uh, empowering students, right? Uh, and so I really like that thought. Um, and one of the things that I often find myself having a, a point of conversation with people that are taking on risks is a, an educator might say something to me along the lines, well, you don't know my students. They would not yep. be able to handle flexible seating. And I would, I would say to that person, it's a chicken and egg kind of situation, right? Because without giving the opportunity to learn how to handle <laughs> uh, themselves in an academic setting with some freedom, how are they ever going to learn then? Um, or are you just going to expect compliance until it's somebody else's problem? Uh, and so uh, that's something that, I don't know, it's just worth having as part of that conversation. Yeah, I'm reminded, maybe this is not a good quote, but I'm reminded of a book I read recently as uh, a historian by the name of Will, William Durant, very famous historian slash philosopher. And he says that uh, liberty is the daughter of order. So like you need structure to actually give liberty, but then liberty is the mother of chaos. Whoa. So like too much liberty. Is that the 28 minute bell? Is this the quote we should be? <laughs> yeah. So I just bring it up. I bring it up because a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, uh, Adam Marino has this theory that whenever you have that like horrible class, whatever it is, like that horrible grade, like that whole, like this year stinks. These kids are just terrible. Whenever you have that, it, it without fault, like the next year is good kids. And his theory is it's good kids because we all change our style and pedagogy because <laughs> of how crappy that one year was. So then yeah. we, we tighten it up, right? We make order out of that chaos. And then for the next like, three years you slowly give more and more liberty and then eventually the whole system has created another bad class because we've given more and more liberty like each right so that four-year away class never experienced any kind of order it was like free form voice and choice 100 percent, you know everything 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. and then like yep you have a horrible class and then we as an entire system tighten up so that that next class is good um, so I think it's just interesting teachers that say, well, my kids could never do that. There is some truth to that, but like you said, you also have to like establish a safe space. You have to establish like what the rules are. Yeah. And a scaffolding almost to get them a hundred percent. Like we, like our kids can do so much more if we truly are the leaders of that classroom, the way that it's the way that it should be. And part of leadership yeah. is giving ownership over to the people that you lead. Mm -hmm. but then also providing a structure so that like success in the team can flourish. Absolutely. And who doesn't have fun in those environments? And that's the other thing. That's you right. Enjoy the heck out of that. You can enjoy the heck out of that. Well, and again, it comes back to that pride when you give students that space to also build and create and, you mm -hmm. know, and fail. I mean, like that's the other thing. That's another big one that we all talk about. We need to learn from our failures, but I'd still say the general system's built around success, not failure. Including, including what, what's put on us as educators, you know, like I think there are still more administrators that want compliance and, you know, as opposed to like, try something, what do you want to do? Oh yeah. And that's, what's been so awesome being in the current role that I am able to serve teachers in is that, um, we have, cause I'm, I'm, my position's funded by a grant. We're hopefully that'll be sustainable past, um, well, it's this year and next year. And 
in those conversations though, because we've, for personalized learning, we've identified five elements and those are just kind of our look fors, our starting places for people to begin to personalize what they want to do in their class. But when it comes to our training, instead of it being about, hey, here's the new system, <laughs> throw out what you did before or take what you did before and make it fit this thing. Uh, we have conversations more along the lines of, okay, where, where would you like to see your class go next? Um, and in order, in going that direction, how can you start to give more ownership over to students? And that can happen through voice and that can happen through choice and that can happen through um, trying to make intentional decisions about where you place yourself in the classroom or how you use the furniture or uh, how you use data as a student, not just me as a teacher, just getting this information and you know trying to drill and kill after the fact to make up for two <laughs> indicators. <laughs> and not that I've ever done, right? I'm as guilty as anybody with that, but just saying, trying to get away from those things. And what's been rewarding for me this year has been able to meet with these teachers and say, yeah, where do you want to go? And they say, well, you know, I kind of have always thought that this would be really cool. Or is it okay to do this? Or yes, yes. Like yes. Let's, let's pursue these things. Let's personalize these at the same time. And then part of our grant allows us to um, have guest teachers for a half a day. And we have substitute teachers that'll, um, we can give four hours because that's the biggest thing with teachers right time if i could just have some more time i would totally take this risk i would totally venture and add this piece to my class um, and to have that four hours and to have me there you know as another person as a sounding board because some people you know aren't always on a team um or they need this tech piece figured out make a lot of videos <laughs> with some some of our teachers so they have that as a resource like a support that uh it's in, it's just incredible it's incredible instead of asking educators to comply Give them freedom, give them a little bit more time, and it's amazing uh, what they can do. In the same way that you experience that with students in the classroom, right? Like it's sometimes just about the space and the intentionality. Yeah, like I think sometimes it's funny the language we use for our students about creation. Uh, we don't use it always as like administrators don't always use that same language to us. Um, and I think that's starting to change, and I really like that. I mean, I really, yeah, I, I really, see, I really see a lot of administrators more embracing this idea of not everything having to be the same. And I, I don't know. It's really cool. It's a fun and exciting time to be part of education. Um, but I, I have another question for you about creation here. You okay. Know? Um. Yeah. Like, get ready. Get ready. Like, right. Ooh, maybe we should all drink <clears throat> our coffee a little bit here, or water. I got my nice Hello Kitty mug here for those of you that are joining us on video. Old Chicago um, West Coast glass. I'm going to admit I don't usually drink out of the Hello Kitty glass. It's uh, <laughs> it's Mother's Day here, and my daughter's at my Hi, Mom. And like, I just, yeah, I just wanted to like feel connected, so I'm using her, her mug. So, okay, my question... Uh, which I hope after kind of build up after that build up, right? Like it's so going to be worth it. people. <laughs> so you're, I'm so glad you hung on. Um, so I wanted to ask you personally have taken on some new creations this year over and above what's sort of required. I know, I know your job, you're doing some also really cool creations, but yeah. Um, I guess I wanted to hear how that felt for you and, and maybe what you want to list as something that you've created this year. Uh, to hopefully inspire some of the listeners. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, um, oh gosh, several years ago now, I think it's two or three years ago. Um, just met with Tara Martin. Um, gosh, I, I mean, back when we were both first just getting onto Twitter, uh, and she'd gotten her uh, blog started. And so I'd always wanted to blog, but I did two or three and just went by the wayside. Um, and I kept wanting to get back to that, kept wanting to get back to that. 
And then I listened to uh, Tisha Richmond uh, talk about how, um, I think it was in a podcast too, that she was sharing just what it's done for her to reflect and, and to have that, um, that piece to blog, you know, on a regular basis. And so kind of two things. Yes. One for work, um, because we felt like one of the toughest things for personalized learning, uh, is that educators need examples. They need to see what that looks like in the classroom. They don't want to hear about theory. They want to see, you know, application and practice. And so, mm -hmm. uh, my goal was that I would like, and we're building a website for this right now where we, as I work, get a chance to work with teachers, me and, and my teammates with personalized learning, that we would capture those stories, um, uh, using blogs or videos or podcasts. And it's really, podcast seems to be a great medium to do that. Um, and then to put resources with that content, like that is the lesson plan or the template or the Google slides or whatever, because oftentimes those those documents get buried 18 clicks deep in a Google Drive folder someplace and nobody looks at them all. Or even if you ever see them, there's no context. Uh, and so we're building out this site that does have those teacher stories. And so I've had to learn how to tell my story a little bit through podcasts um, and the nuances that go into all that, which was really fun setting this thing up too, by the way, and kind of <laughs> seeing your process. Uh, and then at the same time, um, yeah, being insp inspired a little bit by Tisha, uh, to try to blog as well. And so this year I've set a goal of trying to do one blog, one podcast a week. Um, and then when the five for five rolled around, I was like, wow, I can, I can turn out one of those in about 20 minutes of uh, vlog. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm trying now, uh, on Fridays to just do a quick, like weekly recap of, um, all the awesome stuff that I was, you know, blessed and fortunate to be a part of. And so it has been kind of about creating about three different types of content, if not more every week. And, I've just found it very rewarding in the way that you're talking about <laughs> that you sort of show up and you, you problem solve. And I'm not used to talking about myself. I'm used to like interviewing and learning from other people and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, having those conversations. And uh, so it, it, thanks for asking or giving me a chance to reflect on that a little bit, because I do think that I've grown in the way that I um, just sort of understand the need for reflection to be a part of the creative pro like process and that, that, that my heart and my passion is in creation. Sure. Would you say before this started, you would, you, would you have identified yourself as creative? Um, I'm certainly a creative thinker in the sense of, uh, I've, and I think it's a strength, like why this job's a good fit for me. And that I like to create things in contexts that are really difficult to, you know, <laughs> give me some, some limitations. And I love to try to tinker with something to make it still work in the midst of whatever scenario is out there. And, um, a few years ago, I even got into video creation to start with. So maybe that's part of where my story begins too. I was, uh, I love video content for class. Oftentimes when I find things online, they're not relevant. <laughs> to like directly sure. relevant to where it doesn't teach it in the same way. Uh, and so I made my own videos at the library and they were like 20 minutes long of me just like standing there, you know, just talking <laughs> head at the camera. And my students are like, that was the worst video. Don't do that again. Don't do Please that. Please don't. <laughs> I'll never choose that option ever. Uh, and so I, I actually surveyed the intro to video class at my high school. So I just went in and took the class and uh, just getting a chance to learn again was uh, a perspective shift and really fun. And it's, it shaped the way that I go about making those video pieces now. And they're a lot better. And I've used videos in games and, um, you start to develop a toolkit that you can turn to regardless of the context. Once you have those I don't know, things in there. Yeah. I think there's something to be said of like, I liked your point about that. You can turn to this toolkit that you're developing over time. Um, like when I, 
think about my gamification story and I think about some of the things that over the time I had to learn to use to, to do it the way I wanted to do it. Um, yeah. But the cool thing is how many of those skills now leak into other things. Like I now have that ability. Like, And what I like is when we talk about like learning and growing in some respects, the more you can do it in the general sense, it's almost even more empowering, right? So like take you and mentioned video, like that is like a general skill, right? We're not talking about some app. We're not talking about like you become right. a master of Flipgrid. Like that's less transferable skills because like it is just built around this one specific app. Yeah. As opposed to like you've sort of learned video in general that that mm-hmm. probably could make your flip grids better but it also can make your you know flipped content better it could also make your yeah. vlog better like holy cow like now it's a bunch of things or even just video editing in, in its in in general might make you a better presenter like now you're practicing your presentation skills mm-hmm. in your videos which will also matter in your presentations you give or your teaching or your interaction with like oh see like when we work on the like general <laughs> skill, it becomes like, Ugh. like it's just, don't I don't know. It's it. so empowering. Like sometimes I just, I don't know how to articulate it. Maybe I'm doing a bad job here, but like, no. I, I would like want to inspire people to like, you can set specific goals, but sometimes like also like work on a goal of being like creative, like just, just in general, like, like what create, am I doing to be creative? Like yeah. Cause then the more you build up that muscle, it will help all sorts of categories. Yeah. Yeah, because I learned about video in a journalism class. Like I, I wasn't taking how to make instructional video class. I was taking the intro right. to, to video and journalism. Um, and so then I did that, and then I just fumbled through and figured out, okay, so here's some ways to, to make this video content, instructional video content. And to your point, though, then I made videos for games. Uh, I've made hype videos for my cross-country team. I have made now videos like for set like second graders, <laughs> which is a very different different um, set of criteria. Yes, than than at the high yes. school. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it has been so fun as a high school teacher. I went in and I filled in for like two hours in kindergarten the other day, and that was that was a whole different world. What a great experience! Just loved it. Um, but then I've even worked with students too on them creating videos, right? And so now that I understand like the process of writing a script and all these things, I actually have another um, collaboration this week with some sixth graders uh, where we're going to sit down and they're going to work through scripting something out and we'll film it and we'll talk about editing and uh, so you can kind of teach and pass along those skills too and um, to your point right stuff just applies in so many different places it does and like hearing your story too I want to like encourage people that um, when you take it on as a personal passion at this this growth and then some of these things won't go any farther than the one thing you learned, but some of them will turn into possibly new ha- hobbies, new like things that you super enjoy. And when your students see that, that, that this like organically for you became something, um, it's really kind of cool. They'll seek you out as the expert in that. Like the district might have somebody that's like the tech coordinator that they should, they should probably go see about that. But they're like, no, but like Andrew totally is like doing these video things he's totally messing with microphones like i want to talk to andrew and like that story them seeking you out and then like you mentoring them it it just changes the relationship because they like yeah they respect the process you're going through like you're learning it like they they did they are like you're probably ahead mm-hmm. of them that's why they're seeking you out but like they don't see it as a job they see it as like a passion from you 
Yeah. And there's a that can go both ways, too. Like there, there are some students at the high school that are doing some phenomenal stuff uh, in the journalism department. And so I go in there and I continue to learn from them. Uh, we even have service learning hours that our that our students earn uh, and accrue over time. And so there's one project I'm working on this summer, kind of selfishly because my daughter's going to be in second grade. And so I'm kind of designing okay. a bunch of second grade stuff that we can share out. Um, but a math extension where um, this is going to be really sweet. So we got the first four units in math to start off their, their semester. Um, we're going to build a digital breakout, four of them for each of those units. So 16 digital breakouts. Um, and then we're going to make those into episodes, right? So the first episode has like a video that leads off and then it gets to a place where the characters need to solve this, you know, thing, which is the digital breakout. And then it goes video, digital, and it's going to all the way through. So five videos with four digital breakouts sandwiched in there. And the story will evolve over four episodes to like a, a climax. You know, I, I, this whole idea of like Netflix and binge watching and episodic, you know, <laughs> like narratives was just appealing to me. And so I thought, you know, what if we took video and this digital breakout format and just made these extensions? And some of these high school students are actually going to spend time Thursday of this week. We filmed the first episode. Um, we're going to go into schools and it's teachers, students and administrators that are all taking part in this narrative. Um, and so we're going to we're going to have some high school kids and myself work together on filming these pieces and um, produce that. And it's going to be awesome. That's exciting. I love it. Um, that's really cool. And <laughs> now, though, it is time for reflection. Cue the reflection music. We got it. So here we are. Um, this one's by Lin Yutang. Uh, it really fits with what we're talking about today, but a kind of a different bent. But I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. You ready? You ready? Um, as ready as I'm going to be. Let's go. I'm always I'm, ready. I mean, I can give you a minute. Hold on. <laughs> okay, now we're ready. Now he's ready. All right. Art is both creation and recreation. Art is both creation and recreation. I'm going to spin it first in the context of what we've been talking about, like most recently here then, and say those tools that you develop that that is the art of it right the art of yeah what what and and so you have to you have to have the sensibility to create initially but then from that place there it's an ongoing evolution and we've talked about this across this podcast right whether it was about choices or about finding new ways to repurpose a skill um, to allow video to play out in different contexts that 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 recreation uh, might be best embodied in those iterations thereafter and applying it to new contexts there's an art to that. There is. How you feel, how you feel about that? Good? We gonna... I, I like it. I like it. From, How's that hit your brain? How about that, yours, though? My, my take on it, I just like this idea that um, creation can take on multiple forms. So it can be something truly like a birth of something totally new. And it can also be this sort of reconstruction, reconfiguration, refinement, whatever we want to say about something old. Um, I think oh, that, yeah. I think that that's, uh, there's beauty in that. And there's like... There's that same risk that we've talked about in, in that because you're changing something. Um, but both are valued pieces of the classroom. And as teachers, I hope I hope we're doing both. I hope we're creating something fully new and refining other things. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Well Played. It's been truly uh, a pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on Well Played. It's been fun. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. So thanks for having me on. Anytime. 
Uh, and you listeners, thank you so much. It's an honor having you listen, learn, and play with us each week. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Mr. Matera. And I hope to all see you on XPLAP on Tuesdays at 9 Central Standard Time. Enjoy your week and play on.